I've had so many people talk to me and share these really deep personal experiences. And I think I'm a D&D game developer. I mean, that is so meaningful to me because I got into this because I care about people and I want them to feel seen and heard and to be recognized. So the fact that they feel comfortable, that's wonderful because I want to get to know people. Welcome to Invisible Not Broken. This week, our host Monica is joined by Dale Critchley, an exceptional video game developer who is making waves in the gaming world. Dale has embarked on an incredible journey with a Kickstarter campaign aimed at creating the largest and most diverse line of disabled fantasy miniatures. They delve deep into the origins and inspiration behind this groundbreaking project. You messaged me just a few days ago and I couldn't resist fast tracking you a little bit. You have a Kickstarter for adaptive Dungeons and Dragons miniatures. And I think my husband's still ringing out his ears because I squealed really loud in the car when I saw your message come through. So can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing? I'm assuming anyone who's listening to this episode in particular at least has an interest in RPGs or Dungeons and Dragons. We'll try to explain a few things, but mostly if you're here, you're here because you're really into this. I started a company a couple of years ago called Warmworks Publishing. I used the name for years just as a hobby. And then I said to my my family, uh, because disabilities, neurodiversity, uh, mental illness, all those things are, are a huge part of our family. I looked around and I didn't see much in the way of representation in Dungeons and Dragons. And I've been playing D&D since... 1982. So I said, no, I'll make a little book with some adaptive devices or something like that, you know, for D&D. And I, mean, I said, I want to make real world things where there's generally kind of a trade-off that doesn't just magically make things go away. It helps, but a lot of you get some kind of disadvantage. You have to decide, are the side effects worth it and things like that. And I thought that would be a good way to just help people understand that and, and allow people to represent their own experiences. And so I started talking to some people because I wanted to get people's actual experiences and, and not just assumptions and stereotypes. So I'm, I'm working on this thing. And what do you think of this? And I realized real quickly that I was creating a solution for a non-existent problem because there's no built-in way in Dungeons & Dragons to uh, represent disabilities besides purely narratively. And so I thought, okay, well, let's do that end of it too. And so I thought, okay, where do I start? And how do I do this? And my kids have some very rare neurological disorders and such that they don't get representation in anything. And I realized, you know what? That is so many people's experience that they just straight up don't get representation anywhere. And so they're already being left out here. Something I'm creating that I want people to feel a sense of representation and inclusion. I don't want people to feel left out of that. This is probably my ADHD kicking in and I didn't know I had ADHD at the time. But I said, I'll just do everything. So I started researching. I started talking to people and I realized that there's a lot of overlap where like chronic pain, there's all kinds of different things that cause chronic pain. 
I started compiling a list of what we initially called symptoms, but then I changed it to traits because not everything's negative. I started compiling a list and trying to categorize them best I could just for the sake of having a system of organization. I was talking to people and I said, I, I don't know what this is going to turn into, where this is going to go, how big this is going to be, whether I'm going to make a penny off of it or whatever, but I feel like it needs to be done. And so if you'd be willing to just talk with me about your experiences and collaborate with me on how to represent that in D&D game mechanics and, and things, I'll give you a copy of whatever it ends up being. A whole bunch of people said yes to that. I reached out to artists and I said, I'm looking for artists that are disabled, that have neurodivergent or and or mentally ill. And if I make money off of this, I'll be able to pay you, but I have no idea. But if you're interested in, in being part of this, I'd, I'd love to have your help. A bunch of people said, I would love to be a part of that. Uh, at the time I was working at a group home um, as a direct service provider. I wasn't making enough money to even pay my mortgage. And just trying to do this on the side as a hobby, it was just taking too much time. You know, There's just so many people saying, this is so needed. So there's just literally nothing like this out there. I, I talked to my wife and I said, what would you think if I uh, quit my job and did this full time and did a Kickstarter and just like launch a company that's focused on uh, helping people make lives better using tabletop role-playing games? And she said, I trust you. What we're doing right now isn't sustainable anyway. The industry where you're working is so desperate for people, they would take you back in a heartbeat because you're also one of the best people there. And so really at this point, we've got nothing to lose. So let's try it. And so we launched the Kickstarter last January for Limitless Heroics. And we had 2,300 backers. And I couldn't believe it. And so I was able to pay people and get the book out there. And we just have gotten so much feedback from people saying, I have spina bifida, I have this or that or the other thing. And I never experienced representation, never movies, TV, nothing. And I just so appreciate this. And, and once we had the manuscript done, we ended up having five different sensitivity readers on it from different backgrounds. And plus we had just everyone else that was working on the project, you know, looking at it and offering their insights. And then once we had the manuscript ready to go, we sent it out to the, the 2,300 backers and said, all right, anyone whose experiences are represented in here, we want you to look at it and tell us whether we accurately represented your experiences. And 900 people downloaded it and looked at it. We got 90 pages of feedback and we went through every single note. And where we had two different people with the same you know, trait, we took all of that into consideration and found a way to represent all of those different things, even the things that seem kind of contradictory. We had so much support because with the Kickstarter, you could add your name to a magic item and, or, or create a character. And we had over 200 people signed up for the magic item so that we had to create a whole bunch more. I was sort of running out of ideas and after about 150 or so said, all right, the rest of them, I had a lottery of sorts that you could claim your item that you wanted to just put a name to if you claim one of the create your own ones you create your own and we work with you to do that and so we did that and, and we ended up with 50 characters all told because we wanted to make sure that everything was as accessible as possible uh, we use larger fonts and dyslexia friendly layouts and things like that 
And so it ended up being 640 pages, which was not what we were expecting. It's kind of monumental. And, uh, and since I wasn't expecting that big of an interest in it, we used print on demand instead of offset printing. As a book itself, it's, it's a bit expensive. The joy of print on demand is you can offer multiple formats. And so we did a soft cover version and a premium color version. We also created a player's version that doesn't have all the extras, the magic items, the extra characters, the extra adventure and things like that in it. So that'd be more affordable. And that way people could get the, the full version electronically, but still have a physical copy that didn't cost as much. As we were wrapping up all of that, there was a lot of people that said, what about other stuff? And, and the biggest request was miniatures. And I looked around and Strata Miniatures did a combat wheelchair series a couple years ago, uh, which is really cool. I kept looking around and I just couldn't find anything. There's some of the, what are they called? Skinny minis had some representation in there. It's like a printout, like a laminated thick plastic kind of flat printout, but not a three-dimensional characters. Hey, well, let's create some. First went through, I looked at the characters that we already had in Limitless Heroics and said, which of these could we express their experience through a miniature? And then put it out there to say, all right, if anyone would like to sort of before we take this to Kickstarter, create a character of some kind based on your experience or a family member's experience or something like that. And we'll do a kind of pre-Kickstarter where you can support us that way and contribute and make that happen. And so we got a few of those. And in fact, we had somebody contacted me and said, I want to pay for one. My sister had Down syndrome and she has since passed. But I would really love to see a character with Down syndrome. And so if you could send a note out to your email list or whoever and find someone that for whom that is their experience, I'd be willing to foot the bill to make that happen. So we have a character with Down syndrome and we have a couple different characters with cerebral palsy. I wanted to create a character with actual dwarfism, not just dwarves like they have in fantasy. So... I went on Reddit and then to r slash dwarfism and said, you know, here's what I want to do. If someone wants to, to help me out to do this respectfully and accurately, I will pay you as a consultant to do that. And so we did that. One of my kids, she has anxiety and she created a character that is, is sitting focused on a staff that is her grounding device for her anxiety. And we have a little kobold. Uh, this is one of the ones from, from Limitless Heroics, a Rourke, that has a little fidget ball that he uses for his anxiety. And I um, to go back real quick to the staff, because I really hope people go on. And even if you can't support this, even if you're not terribly into Dungeons & Dragons, I really recommend looking at the artwork is gorgeous, mm -hmm. but also how... Each of these things are manifested. The wheelchairs, I am desperate for one of those wheelchairs. The runic inscriptions mm -hmm. in the wheelchair, I'm in love. There's so much celebration around the adaptive uses. The dog, the support dog, is probably my favorite thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm in love and obsessed. But I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that staff. I found that a really interesting idea. A lot of these things exist here in our world. The wheelchairs, the support dogs. And the fidget toys are still here, but you had this really cool thing called a grounding staff. And I just really wanted you to go into it a little bit. 
Yeah. My daughter with her anxiety, when she has a panic attack, she'll have something that she just focuses on and it helps bring her back to reality and it helps her through it. And so she created this, this druid that can focus on the staff and also likes to transform into a wolf and run through the forest. And, and that helps too. And for some people, just going out for a walk, getting some fresh air is helpful. We're really excited about that because when I first started talking about miniatures, one of the questions that we got was, what about invisible disabilities? As someone who's hard of hearing, unless you look really closely at my ears and see my hearing, you won't notice it. I've had all kinds of issues in my life because of my ADHD, especially before I actually knew it was ADHD. And I thought it was just like some personal failing. And people are just like, what's your problem? Why can't you learn names? You've been here for years and, and you still don't know my name. So I was like, sorry. There's so many of those kinds of experiences where people get judged and it's so difficult. I wanted to be able to represent those two. Is the question of how do you do that in a physical miniature? Even with cerebral palsy, we could do a contracted limbs um, character with a scissor gate and use as a crutch. The gaming thing really comes into me. And I want you to talk just for a few seconds about the importance of gaming and how that changes how we can relate to each other. I have a teenager who is obsessed with D&D. And my husband grew up with D&D. I grew up on the other side. I was playing different RPGs. I was a 90s kid. So it's all the vampires. Mm -hmm. But I've noticed that my child who has anxiety and just living in a very scary world mm -hmm. and dealing with being a teenager is a lot. And how I've watched my child grow and change playing this very long campaign that my husband has spent every spare second creating and it's become a family thing now where we're all creating this scenario together and it's brought us all together but i'm watching my child be able to explore different aspects of their personality they're able to really test out some things that maybe in a world where everything is recorded and thrown up online they don't feel safe exploring or trying or testing and this seems to be a really safe place to test out boundaries i know for myself with Eller Stainlow's I don't always know exactly how I can move or what I can do, but if I'm in a game, I can sort of test out those things and see what that would be like if I could do those things, or even if I can't do those things. It becomes a sort of jar for being able to explore different sides of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. From both angles too, because one of these comments that we got was, well, okay, is this for disabled people or able-bodied people? And so it's for everyone. If, if you want to represent your own experience and you want to explore, I wrote New Year's Eve adventure called Time is of the Essence. And we had a character in there with a seizure disorder. When a seizure comes, it shoots off like a ball of lightning around them. Even though it's affecting you negatively, you, know, you can use it against other people. And so you can even trigger it as a last resort. It's like, it wasn't like the mechanics that we developed, but it was the idea of, of, what if I could, what if I could take this experience and use it another way? I want to create uh, some magic hearing aids that uh, when you put your hands like this, like they emit this high powered squeal and they use as a, a sonic attack against people because I unintentionally do that to my wife all the time. Yeah. I also talk about my hearing aids as my spider sense. Cause when something gets too close, kind of squeals. And so as someone who has a tendency to walk into walls and things like that, and I'm six foot three and low ceilings and things like that. It warns me about those things. I call it my spider sense. I've, I've got to create a hearing aid magic item that warns you of approaching danger. It's a way to explore things. You can learn about other people's experiences 
And I've had so many people say, wow, I never knew about these things, just being able to read about it and to see what that's like. And, and as people read about it and they say, oh, I'd be interested in playing a character like this, then they go and they start researching and, and hopefully talking to people to learn more about it at the same time. And you're getting to the important point of why representation matters and why good representation matters. If we're constantly being represented as sad characters with no agency of our own and that there's no upside to what we were doing. Like I said, you create a celebration behind the wheelchairs. I feel like they're really cool and I want one, which is very different than they are wheelchair bound, which is the thing that always like mm -hmm. sets me off with a rabidness where they're desperate to escape their wheelchair. No, no, that's not the thing. And you've done a beautiful job with that and with representation. And I was really hoping someone would do this with role-playing games is show that there are some real upsides to disability. Like I like my personal space, my wheelchair, personal space. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I feel like I should just roll up on perception every time I go out with my husband because no one talks to me and they'll say anything around me because for some reason they think in a wheelchair, I don't hear a thing. So mm -hmm. my husband plays... A call of Cthulhu. I'm like, please do a character in a wheelchair because then people will be talking and whispering all the secrets right in front of you. And they'll <laughs> never even think that you're there. It'll be great. I promise. Just convince your DM to do a disabled character. It would be so good. It really shows how much you research you did and how much you did with the sensitivity readings and that you really talk to each person. I could see that when I looked through the cards and you did such a great job of showing what the limitations are going to be and how you can switch those limitations into something that can help you. Yeah, we, we tried to look at in every situation, every trade, what are the positives of this? And so sometimes like chronic pain, well, you're used to pain, right? And so that doesn't make the pain less. At the same time, when you experience other pain, you know how to deal with it. I often say with the stuff that we deal with as a family, I've had people when there were different things, challenging things going on, and they say, how are you doing? And how are you holding up stuff? And I said, okay, you need to understand something about our family. All right. Now, just imagine your worst, most stressful day of your life. Okay. All right. We call that Tuesday. We deal with stress on a completely different level. And so consequently, we were working with some kids at a church event. And one of the kids was acting up. The teacher that was in charge of that class was having a really hard time. And I heard what was described. And I said, this isn't a big deal. And the other director said, this isn't a big deal for you. Because you deal with this stuff on a daily basis. Most people don't. Oh. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, well, here's how we handle this. <laughs> it does make it a better kind of character. It makes it a more interesting character. I was just talking about this with someone where we were talking about chronically ill people in the workplace. We're really resourceful, like mm -hmm. scary resourceful. So if you have someone who's has a limitation, they'll find the best and most effective way to get the thing done. I think that's a great thing in gameplay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was talking to someone who is a wheelchair user and there's very little mobility outside of the the accessibility tools that he has. He says, if I have to, say, grab the remote or something like that, if I drop that, I've got one chance of being able to use something to pick that up. And if I mess it up, what I try doesn't work, then I'm, I'm just going to have to wait until someone comes along to help me. And I'm just out of luck until then. So he said, I've learned 
to be incredibly resourceful, extremely creative in problem solving. Like that's my life. Constantly the things that comes easy for everyone else. I have to come up with a creative solution every single time. And so when you live your whole life coming up with creative solutions to things that everybody else takes for granted, when something else comes along that everyone goes, oh, what do we do? Well, yeah. Talk to the one for whom creative problem solving is a moment by moment thing. The other thing, when this occurred to me, it just completely blew my mind, is that roughly 25% of the global population is disabled, neurodivergent, mentally ill, or some combination of those, right? Now, you look at most fantasy worlds, and those people just don't exist there. What if you had a fantasy world where there are no women? That would be a major plot point. I absolutely hear you. And whenever we've tried to include diversity in fantasy world, the amount of screaming on the internet can be heard beyond Twitter. It's a sit back on the heels and howling whenever there is a push that, hey, elves are made up, so maybe they can be anything. A mermaid's <laughs> not a real thing, my friends. Nowhere, nowhere, I promise you, it is not a real thing. I swear we would have found a corpse by now. And if they did exist, they'd be fat. And they would have different characteristics. They would not look like a Playboy model. I grew up in the 90s. And this is part of why I didn't get into D&D when I was younger, was every D&D cover had someone who was half naked, overly sexualized, ripping off a dragon. If you have to strategically shave, maybe it's not battle armor. It just felt so isolating. I'm a cishet woman and... I was a cishet girl and going into those spaces was scary. The books just felt very dehumanizing. I think it's part of why I'm so desperately in love with these miniatures. And I'm so in love with the artwork that you've done and all the storytelling you're doing is these are people. There's that level of I don't feel insulted as a human using them, playing with them or interacting with them. I don't feel like the person who created them hates me as a being. And that's part of what I love about the adaptation is I looked through each of your characters, each of the stats, and it felt so real and it felt so loved. It didn't feel like a checkbox. It didn't feel unstudied. It felt like I could play the fibromyalgia character, or the anxiety character, or I could even play characters that weren't my disorder. And I would still feel like this is an honor instead of, oh, uh, well, this is going to be a weird little side thing. You think about that. You think about how people that are not used to being around disabled, neurodivergent, mentally ill people, or at least aren't aware of it, because when you consider the statistics, you are, even if you don't know it. I think a lot of the pushback on this is just discomfort. There's this sort of fear, and maybe they don't even know why they feel that way. If they're afraid, I don't know what to say, I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing, or there's this sort of subconscious where they're afraid that it's contagious, even though consciously they know that it's not. And so I figure, but what if you're able to explore that angle in a game? So then if you say or do something offensive and someone in the group says, oh, hey, that's probably not the best way to approach that. You can literally just back up. And say, oh, can we rewind this scene and, and start over? Can we just go back for 10 seconds and, and do that differently? I and mean, you can just go, yeah, sure. You know, you're just being honest with each other and, and recognizing that nobody knows everything. It's all about learning and recognizing, oh, I didn't know that. And now I do. All right. Then 
when you're actually dealing with real people and not just some made up NPC. For those who are not into oh. the RPG world, what is an NPC? Yeah, non-player character. So player character is the character that you, as the player, have is the, your protagonist in the story. The NPCs, that's the non-player characters, it's the supporting cast. If you play video games, it's the people that you walk up to, you get the little word bubble and they have information for you, or, or sometimes they're just completely useless and they're for set dressing or, or whatever. It's the people that fill out the rest of the world. And I've had lots of people that say, well, I'm disabled. And for me, I like to be able to get away from my disability in role-playing games and play the character that I can't be. And that's okay. No one has to do this. But my suggestion is, well, would you at least want there to be people in this world that you're navigating you know, so that you're just not completely excluding this entire population from your game world? I mean, I understand if you feel like disabilities are such a big part of my life and it causes me so much frustration that I just kind of want to pretend that none of that exists, right? I can't argue with that. Right? Uh, totally valid, but also yeah. we can't discount that there's been so much bad representation of disability in the media right. and that every time we seem to have a character in a wheelchair, they have dream sequences of not being in a wheelchair and when wheelchair people die, they are famous. There's this an onslaught of comics saying, look, they've escaped their mortal shell. So when the constant words in our ears through media are, you just want to die. Mm -hmm. You either want to get better or you want to die. It's hard to discount that when you have a chance to play something else. When and So I think this is why this is so important. Is Yes, it's totally valid. You want to play something else. You want to be saying, no worries. That's what this is here for. But I don't think we can discount that our bad feelings about things and our internalized ableism do come from a very big place of media not doing this well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I've found that just the existence of this, like the, the, you can set our book or you could set these miniatures or something like that, some other kind of representation. It doesn't have to be our stuff. You know, print out the combat wheelchair thing or whatever and set that on the table. And just its presence there communicates welcome. Mm. I've had so many people talk to me and share these, these really deep personal experiences. And I think I'm a D&D &D game developer. Now, I love it when people do that. I mean, that is so meaningful to me because I got into this because I care about people. And I want them to feel seen and heard and to be recognized. So the fact that they feel comfortable, that's wonderful because I want to get to know people, know their experiences and know them as people. So I love that. But I found that just the presence of that communicates you are welcome here. Whatever mm. you bring with you, you are welcome here. Um, all of you. And you don't have to hide stuff. You don't have to mask. You don't have to cover this up. We want you here because you're you and we value you. My hope is that the people will become more comfortable with people whose experience is different from theirs, that they will get used to that there's people in my game world that have all these diverse experiences. And it makes for a broader, more fleshed out and deeper game world. 
with new experiences they don't necessarily get in fantasy literature and fantasy games. And that over time that they get so used to it that they'd start to notice, huh, you know, I'm watching TV, I'm watching movies, I'm reading books and wow, there's like no disabled people. There's no neurodivergent people. Mental illness is all this like huge stigma. Why is that? That shouldn't be that way. And then they start voting with their wallets and the media they're willing to consume and what they prefer and start communicating with the networks and the production houses and stuff and say, hey, you wouldn't exclude people of color. Why are you excluding these other populations? Especially um, when you consider this as the one population everyone has a chance of becoming a part of. I had a conversation with someone who's like, that's so great that you're talking to the few people who are disabled and you're, what a niche podcast. I was like, I'm sorry, what? how many disabled people do you think there are in the world? He's like, well, I just, I go to college, I go to work, I take public transportation every day. And like, no, it's great that you all exist. I'm so happy you all exist. <laughs> but I don't see you anywhere. I'm like, okay, so why do you think you don't see us anywhere? And it's, it's a matter of access and a matter of what is actually shown. But what you see is your reality. And then we have this extra layer of media. And when things are very underrepresented, we have a very skewed view of what goes on in the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So much of our view of the world and reality is through this false lens of the media. How many of any given population are there? Well, when I watch TV, a certain percentage of the characters. And so we assume that's the percentage. When people do encounter it in real life, they give this sort of visceral reaction to it because it's like, wait, this, this doesn't fit into my view of how the world should be, which has been shaped by what I consume. The more that just becomes part of people's experience and their view of the world, right? They're going to treat the people differently, right? It's going to eliminate stigmas. It's going to eliminate the pity. You start to see people as people and not incarnations of a diagnosis or something like that. The pity thing, I just wanted to touch on again in gameplay, just this idea of you can have someone who has a wheelchair and this is not someone to pity. This is someone who can be an active part of this scenario. That yeah. means so much to me because the pity thing is infantilizing and it's a removal of power. When that's changed, that makes such a, a difference for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. People say, well, okay, but a character like that couldn't survive as a D&D &D character or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, you know, if you go back to the Middle Ages and the number of disabled people that, that we had at that time, that huh, they survived or we wouldn't be here today. And back then they didn't have nearly the assistive technologies that we have today. And yet they somehow managed. So therefore, in a world that's kind of based on that, you think there's probably some people like that, especially if... There's all kinds of dangerous creatures out there. No, maybe there's some people that are dealing with some trauma. I did some math and a someone who can cast a greater restoration spell, which is something that could say remove paralysis or something like that, to get to the level of being able to cast a high enough level spell to be able to do something like that, they would be able to feed, to produce enough food to feed 140 people every day. I'm thinking those... People, for one, you have to be pretty high level. They're rare. They're the Gandalfs of those worlds. And those guys disappear all the time when you need I know. They're like on every I street mean, corner, Gandalfs, right? not reliable people yeah. here. Have you, you ever know, watched when... The Magicians by any chance? 
I know. No, I've heard. Oh, okay. They work on this issue a lot with what magic can and can't solve. Have you played Vassin yet? It's a different RPG. Mm-mm. They have a really cool game engine that works really closely with this idea. And there is trauma and there is mental breaking points. And that's not something that magic can solve. It's saying you roll for all the time. And my husband for Call of Cthulhu is always rolling to see if he's sane or not, which I find mm-hmm. hilarious. Often ends up in jokes in our marriage. But it, it's an interesting idea when you start looking at, well, magic can't solve all of this. And if it could, it's going to come at a tremendous cost to the community and to the energy resources. Yeah, exactly. In our world, the medical technology that we have, can you afford it? Do you have access to it? Yeah, if you have lots of money or there's a ridiculously long waiting period. Or there's terrible side effects. I watch these commercials for medications that are like, oh, well, this will take care of that. Well, however, side effects include <laughs> death. Like, oh, well, it'll clear That's my skin, it. but... <laughs> All good. Not, that is not a problem anymore. Yeah. I'll never have to worry about that again. <laughs> That's so the feeling when you're watching these things. And I believe we live in an age of miracles. To me, magic is science explained. And mm-hmm. if you had told someone 100 years ago that you could call someone, you are mm-hmm. states and states away from me. And as someone had said in like the 1700s, so these two people are just going to agree on a time. They're going to be able to not just talk to each other and hear their voices. They're going to see each other in real time. That person be like, okay, that's a witch. Let's burn the witch. Right, <laughs> like, yeah, right? This is this person's insane. Throw them in bedlam. So we live in this time of magic. So it's really interesting that people can't get their head around this idea that with magical systems, there's still going to be a cost that cannot always be paid, either by energy or money. And also the fact that you have to talk about what it is to heal uh, Mm. something. Oh, good point. Right. So if a person, say, is born with one arm, okay, can you heal the other arm that's sort of like healing a tail onto an elf they didn't have it in the first place it's not part of their genetic makeup Um, and then if you're healing an emotional wound does that remove the things they learned from that like healing trauma i mean as a post-traumatic person there's a lot i learned in that process would that go away i not now know how to read a room like have a trigger sense of safety yeah and then the whole question of, hey, but could they survive as a sort of heroic character or whatever? I came across this a few weeks ago was Porphyria Awareness Week, and I was doing some research on that. It's a very rare blood disease that, among other things, can one of the expressions of it, it causes sunlight sensitivity. And it's been suggested that there's a pretty decent chance that Vlad Dracula mm. had Porphyria. All right which may possibly be the source of the whole vampires and sunlight thing, right? No. So one of the most feared people in history who still terrifies people to this day had a chronic disease. I mean, in Dungeons and Dragons itself, you have the character Strahd, who is one of the most feared characters and he's the D version of dracula people say okay well not the same okay but he's still a vampire okay and <laughs> here's someone that actually has that vulnerability the the D term but he's got that that call an allergy or sensitivity but you know he does just fine maybe someone with a really strong peanut allergy 
might be okay too. I've been having some issues lately. As time goes on, just about anyone can end up disabled. And as I get older, I'm less and less mobile. On the one hand, that helps me to empathize with other people's experiences. But I've also found that just because of the work that I have done, I've learned from it too. It doesn't bother me. It bothers me having to get up when I'm sitting on the floor. But this is okay. This doesn't stop me from being who I am. Well, maybe I'm going to end up joining this other population. But you know what? We're fun. Yeah. <laughs> we are so snarky and fun. We welcome it. Come on over. Well, yeah. So, I mean, Go for know, the dark yeah, side. It becomes something that you don't have to fear. You know? Great point. The fear things. I think that's a lot of where ableism comes from is this terror that it's an unimaginable life to be limited and that's what i've come across because i'm mostly wheelchair mostly bed and just the amount of horror i see in people's faces with i've actually heard the oh my god your life must be a living hell yes but that's only because of politics lately so other than that if i have netflix not so hellish i'm good but i also want to go really quickly back to when we're talking about representation and I think it's important to have disabled villains. I think it's important to have all ranges. What I do get concerned about is things I see with Marvel. And I'm very big into nerd geek culture and how Mm -hmm. it represents people and especially people with disabilities. And what I'm really seeing terrifies me with Marvel. And that's that they're taking people who have chronic pain and using it as a reason to become a villain. And I find that really upsetting, like this idea that our disability would make us insane or angry. Yeah, it might. But I get to say that, not someone else. <laughs> and the idea that chronic pain would make me want to hurt someone else is it's really insulting and upsetting. And I think it's important to also bring up the other side of if you're going to do these characters, you have to do your due diligence and research. And chronic pain makes me curl up and watch Queer Eye for six hours. It does not make me go out and hurt other people yeah no that's something uh, when we wrote limitless heroics we included a section in the beginning on tropes to avoid and by the way a lot of that stuff even if you don't get the book we do have all of that opening material on accessibility and inclusion we have a free preview that has all of that information and we wanted to make that really accessible to people to use that we want to make sure people can access it and speaking of on our website, wormworkspublishing.com, if we have a full preview of the book, you just go to the product page and you can click and the whole thing is there. So if you just go, well, I just want to get, I have these experiences and I want to find out how you represent those. Yeah, you can just go and do that. We also have oh, several free copies because we have a community copies program. And so we have a lot of free copies that are currently available for anybody that can't afford to purchase it. You know, financial accessibility is a big part of it, too. There's the whole disability tax thing. It's a whole another topic. So we wanted to do, well, you know, still be able to put food on our table and be able to pay all of the artists and editors and writers. And we want to be able to pay them fairly. So we charge for our work. Frankly, I think that the work that, that people are doing for us is valuable and deserves to be valued in that way. But we're always looking for ways to make it more accessible for whom finances are a challenge, um, because I definitely get that, too. Did you see the new Dungeons and Dragons movie? No, that is the plan for tomorrow night. Well, I'm a little jealous to get to watch it for the first time tomorrow night. (laughs) I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for your time. If you would like to support this project, head over to 
our website. We will have everything to click on right at the top of our show notes or just head directly to what's your website? Mini or minis, either one to work, dot inclusiverpg.com. Perfect. Head over there. And if you miss that in your driving, it will be on our show notes. So thank you so much. I really cannot tell you how much I appreciate this conversation. I've been just so excited to talk to you about this. For everyone who is listening, we are starting a new segment on technology and disability. So that will be coming up soon. And I'm going to be reviewing different gadgets, health gadgets, cars, anything that helps us kind of level the playing field and inclusivity. So let me know what you want me to cover on that. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more about today's episode, including show notes, transcripts, and where to donate to Dale's campaign, please visit InvisibleNotBroken.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support the show by heading over to our Patreon or by sharing these episodes. We are non-advertising and our growth is thanks to you listeners. Thank you to our host, Monica, and our guest, Dale. This episode was edited by me, Alice Fan. Last but not least, be kind, be gentle, and be badass.